Well, this last week, last Sunday, I was in Canberra, and last Saturday, oh my goodness, oh, you know what happened? My daughter, my son-in-law, and my five grandchildren moved to Canberra, and you know, it's, it's like bittersweet. I really understand that, because, you know, the, they're going. They've lived seven minutes from my house for years, and what a privilege that's been to have them so close. But it's God's will for them to pastor in church Canberra. And so there's the sweetness of it. And you know, uh, the church there, just what a welcome. I, I could take too much time, I think, but to tell you that they have been renting the place for them, that, that they're going to rent. One of the members in the house owns the house. And the church has just had working bee after working bee, new flooring, new carpet, fresh paint, scrubbed every, every area clean, beautiful, all the landscaping brought up and three trailer loads worth of trimmings pulled off and making that place so good. And when the, the removalist truck arrived first, which is a whole story in itself, but when it did get there, there were like 20 people there ready to help. And so those removalists had a pretty good day because these men from the church were just, yep, give me that, give me that. And off they go, and they, they, ta- they just handed stuff. I saw the photos. They just handed stuff. And then by the time Dave and Joe, oh, my goodness, so they had their little blue van literally packed to the ceiling, the dog at Joelle's feet, and just a little place carved out for May in her car seat. They went down ahead, and then I followed with the four kids behind me that, you know, when, when we were about 20 minutes out from, well, hour out from Canberra. Are we there yet? How long is it? How long is it? So I had my oldest grandson in the front seat, and I, I turned the phone that had the GPS on it and tells you how many minutes it is till you get to your destination. So I say, Joseph, just read that. Just tell them. Just go to the, you know. So every minute he's saying, it's 42 minutes. It's 36 minutes. (laughs) But eventually we got there. And what a welcome and what a warm welcome. And that church has just so embraced Dave and Joe that, you know, comforts my heart to know that they're going to such a place that there's already loved and that they have family in God and they're joining a wonderful family that is now a part of this church family in Church Canberra. So how good can you get? Well, I'm I'm going to... uh, bring a message today called possessing your possessions possess your possessions and in the move I actually helped Joe a little bit she'd done all her packing but when I I got down there the next day on the Sunday after we had the service I unpacked her kitchen and now I know every single thing that Joelle has, every possession that is a part of her kitchen. And I actually put it away, physically chose where it was going to go. And then she went out uh, to Kmart to pick up some stuff. And I, I sent her a text and I said, you do not need any more coffee mugs. What you need is drinking glasses. There's only five. <laughs> 40 coffee mugs, five drinking glasses. So, you know, she quickly went and bought some more of those. Uh, but... I, I know every possession that they, that they have. But I want to ask you today, do you know what you possess in Jesus Christ? Are you aware of your possessions? Maybe it's been a while since you've taken stock. Maybe it's been a while since you got in the word of God and go, oh, that's mine. Well, let's pray and then we'll get into God's word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that your presence is already here with us. Lord, we love your Holy Spirit. We love who you are, Holy One. And Lord, we just ask that you would come, O teacher. 
and that you would bring us into all truth. I pray that you would awaken our hearts with your word. I pray the divine spark that you bring, Lord, of your life-giving spirit would just come and bring to light and burn a fire within us that we would have this fresh passion for God, that we would have a spirit of revelation, that our eyes would be open to the things of God, that, Lord, you would take away dullness off of our spirit, that you would bring light and shine within us, and, Lord, bring us into all truth as you have promised us. In the name of Jesus, amen. So my key verse is something I read just at the close of last year as I was reading through the scriptures in the book of Obadiah, such a tiny little book, you maybe get around to reading it once a year. And Obadiah 117 said this, but on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Now that just struck a chord in me and I thought, What a phrase. You know, like I said, I seldom read that book, but to possess your possessions. And then I thought, how can you have possessions that you don't possess? How can that be? How can you have something that you don't actually have? What does that mean? So I looked into that just a little bit more. The book of Obadiah, shortest in the Old Testament, is a prophetic word over Edom. Who is Edom or who was Edom? Edom were the descendants of Esau. And who was Esau's brother? Jacob. Jacob, also known as Israel. So we have Edom and we have Israel and we have this prophetic pronouncement. And at birth, there was already contention between them. And later in life as young men, Jacob stole Esau's birthright. But now, centuries later, The Israelites had been led away into captivity, forced into captivity, deported from their own land, and they lost what was their inheritance that God had given them. They lost it because of their sin and their disobedience, and they became captives in Babylon. And while they were away, while they were 70 years in captivity, Edom, the Edomites, moved in and began to possess what was Jacob or Israel's possession. They took the land. They came in through the south, and they moved up even to Judea. And so the prophetic word that Obadiah brought to the captives was that you would return, and you will possess your possessions. Now, a little bit later here, I'm going to highlight the fact that not everybody returned. And there was a reason for that. And not everybody possessed, and we'll understand some things about that. But I think there's a truth here that we need to see. We have possessions in Christ that we need to lay hold of, but we often do not possess them. We often just shrink back, and for various reasons that I will bring to you, we do not possess what we have. So I'll repeat again, Obadiah 117, just the last part. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The New Living Translation puts it like this. And the people of Israel will come back to reclaim their inheritance. And the Holman Christian Standard says, The house of Jacob will dispossess those who dispossessed them. So it's interesting to read it from a few translations. And then you get the gist of what we're talking about here. You know, our faith is not passive. Faith is active. Faith is not just sitting there hoping something will drop from heaven on you. Faith reaches out to God to possess what he said you can have. You have it, but you have to take it. You have to lay hold of it. 
You know, um, I, as I read this verse in Obadiah last year, I began to reflect on some of the possessions that I have that I don't actually use. I have a beautiful uh, Clavinova piano that I seldom play. And, I, and it just pained me to think, I have something so wonderful sitting in my lounge room that I don't take the time to go possess and actually use. I know many times Jack has thought about selling his motorcycle because, oh, I, I hardly use it. And I say, don't sell that motorcycle. Go out there and ride it. And when he does, you'll go, I'm so glad I've kept that motorcycle. <laughs> Possess your possessions. Last year, um, we had our kitchen renovated, and we added a row of cupboards along the side in our dining area to just take, uh, create some more space and to install this beautiful 900-centimeter oven that I love so much. Um, and in doing so, I had to empty out my cupboards of everything I already had. Plus, I rounded up all the things that never could fit in my kitchen that I stored in the garage, stored in the laundry room cupboards. You know, I brought all of that into this one area and had it laid out on tables. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> and so there was a bit of a purging there that had to be. But I also found some things I didn't know that I had. And so I'm going to say this phrase because I'm going to repeat it again and apply it to these truths that we're bringing. And I hope you understand that it's not irreverent when I say this. But as I looked at those things that I have that I never used, I said to myself, I have some really cool stuff. I didn't know. I forgot. I have some really cool stuff. And when I move it back in, I'm going to put it in a place where I can always find it so that I know that I have it so that I can lay hold of it and I can use it. Do you know in Jesus Christ, you have some really cool stuff. You really have some cool stuff. So what is a definition of possession? It's to own something. It means also the secondary meaning is to seize and take control of something. And throughout the Old Testament and in some of the New, we, that whenever time it talks about possessing, it means to take or to take back. This is mine, so I will take it. So what sin, what Satan has taken away, what has robbed mankind of, that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is restored to us, and we receive it, we lay hold of it, we take it for ourselves. You know, um, when the Israelites, the Jewish people, were deported from their own country, there was a sense of the could and the would in there. When they uh, settled into Babylon... It, life wasn't too bad, actually. And they became quite comfortable there. But the time had come for them to come back, to go back and reclaim the land. And so this prophecy that we've just read, they shall possess their possessions, that was a promise, but that was also a push to go, to go back and reclaim and to be the people of God in the land that God had given them to be. But they got comfortable in their way of life. And so they could, but the question is, would? Would they go? And so everything that is ours in God, we need to reach out and possess that for ourselves. So my question to you is, what inheritance in Christ do you need to claim? What do you maybe need to reclaim? I read the great preacher Charles Spurgeon's sermon on the topic, and he, asked, he said this statement, and I, it just, I'm going to read it twice. He said, all things are ours, but we live as if nothing were ours. 
All things are ours, and yet we live as if nothing were ours. So what do you live without, even though it already is yours? In Philippians 3.12, Paul said, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that of which Christ took hold of me. Take hold means to lay hold of, to take eagerly, to possess, to comprehend, to actually perceive what I've got here. You have some really cool stuff. In Jesus, you have some really cool stuff. So there are some spiritual blessings for us to lay hold of. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know, there's this sense of now and not yet. We have things now that are a foretaste of heaven. We have things that are ours that we will have here and then we'll fully experience when we get to heaven. It's not yet, but there is some here for us now. We can live in a realm of the spirit that the things around us in life that, you know, we've had a a concerning two years, haven't we? That have taken our attention, and I think it's beautiful that Jack's off the, uh, off the internet, off the news, and I've gone to the thing. He's told me, you know, you need to uh, tell me if anything great happens in the world. So I, I have a two-minute scan myself and find out, and and yeah, not too much has changed. <laughs> it's all still going on, getting rehashed. Somebody got deported, and there we go. <laughs> So it's possible that we can get distracted by our earthly possessions to the degree that we do not lay hold of or even have an awareness of our spiritual possessions. We can get comfortable here on earth like Israel got comfortable in Babylon and not know that we've got to go claim something that is ours, that we are called to a higher life, a higher realm of living in Jesus Christ. We're not to be down here in the mundane of the world. And you know, when we are, we just get dull spiritually. Have you felt a dullness come on you this year, last year? I've felt it and we have to fight it. And the first way that we do is we just recognize it for what it is, call it out and say, that's what it is. And I'm not going to live there. I'm not going to live just in the earthly senses. I'm going to live in the spiritual realm of the blessings of Jesus Christ. No more having our desire diminished. Oh, this fast is going to be good for us, isn't it? It's going to sharpen us up in a good way. So how do we do this? How do we lay hold? We do it by faith. We have faith in the promises of God. And we believe and we accept as true what God has said about us. And you know, it's more than mental assent. When we say, I believe, it's more than I accept that as truth. For the Christian, to believe is to actually lean in, to actually place your faith, your life on what God said. Just like the old illustration of taking a chair and do you believe that chair will hold you and you sit on it? Well, that's faith, isn't it? Well, let's accept as true, but let's do something more. Let's Put weight to it. Let's say, I depend on this. There's no such thing as passive faith. We have to dismiss our doubt. We have to watch our words and watch our thoughts. And we need to pursue God's promises for us. So what are some reasons that we don't lay hold of our spiritual blessings? Well, number one is our own strength. Somehow we think that we have to do all this on our own, that we have to 
um, live this life by our own energy. Um, we need to know that we walk by faith and trust. And Ephesians 6.10, when we're talking about the armor of God, we can actually apply this to all of life. It says, to, in conclusion, be strong, not in yourselves, but in the Lord. So let's lean into his strength in the power of his boundless resource. Proverbs 3.5, I'm sure you could quote it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know, whenever I have a problem, my default is not to lean and trust in the Lord. My default is to think, what can I do? You know, I just go to a solution. I go to what can I do in myself? And sometimes I do have a solution, but many times I do not. And I find myself saying, I don't know what to do. I've got to have the Lord. Wouldn't it be good if I just went straight to the solution rather than wasting time and energy doing that? The second thing that will keep us from holding on to our spiritual blessing is an ignorance or lack of understanding. Excuse me. We're not aware. We're possibly ignorant. We don't know what is ours in Christ. Or we don't believe We don't know what we have been promised. We don't believe it could be for us. You know, we just have a hard time accepting that God could do such good things for us. I always say, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. But this book, this book floods us with light. This book floods us with truth. It tells us what we need to know. We have to read it or have to listen to it so we can know what we're supposed to know. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, the Phillips translation says, He has by his own action given us everything that is necessary for living the truly good life and allowing us to know the one who has called us to him through his own glorious goodness. It is through him that God's greatest and most precious promises have been made available to us men, making it possible for you to escape the inevitable disintegration that lust produces in the world and to share in God's essential nature. All that is to say that we have everything we need through the promises of God. We have everything we need to escape living in an earthly sense and living in a heavenly sense. Heaven on earth right now before we ever get there, we can rise above this world and live in that place. Third reason why we do not work, live in the promises of God is that we are spiritually lazy. Okay? Shall I call it out? Because I'm talking to me. (laughs) There's no hunger for spiritual things. And we just get dull again, like I said. And Hebrews 6, uh, Hebrews is a good word for, a good book for pursuing what we need to pursue. Verse 11 says, We want each of you to know this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. We can get lazy. Let's just talk about it, okay? So what of our possessions through Jesus Christ in the next five minutes? I want to move through these that could use five days each. And I have by no means exhausted the list of things I could say, but let's talk about some really cool stuff. The first thing that we take for granted sometimes that we possibly lose our awe of is our salvation in Jesus Christ. Alex just shared 25 years for her and Daniel. This this month is 51 years for me. 
And you know, after such a long time, you just accept that as normal. And we do not appreciate the riches of the grace of God and what has been accomplished through salvation. What a precious word is salvation. Another word, another phrase we use is being saved. Used to be that was in our language. You know, when Jack and I would witness in, in, in the park or other places, we used to take our young people out. We would say to people, do you know Jesus? Are you saved? And people kind of had an idea what that meant. But people don't understand that anymore. And they don't understand what we're saved from. What are we saved from? We are saved from sin and separation from God. And sin has consequences. And you know what? The cure for most of the problems that we have here on earth is to be saved. To have our sins forgiven. To have the burden and the weight of sin taken away from us. Every problem that we cause by our hurt and our hatred towards each other, it has a root in sin. And we try to excuse it and we say, oh, they did this and I felt that and I'm hurt and I'm this and that. Well, let's just go to the root of it. Let's get that dealt with. Salvation in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sin. Matthew 1, 21 said, she will give birth to his son. You'll give him the name Jesus, which means savior, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus said in Matthew 15, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. And Jesus saves us from our sin, and he gives us the power to live free from sin. So sin is no longer the master that enslaves you. Romans 6, 8, we know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with and that we would no longer be slaves to sin. This is a promise. We can live free. We are not slaves. We are free. We are free from the penalty of sin. You can say it with me. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We can live free from the guilt of shame and sin. Psalms 40 verse 12 says, For the troubles surround me, too many to count. My sins pile up so high, I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I have lost all courage. Oh, to live under a weight of sin and guilt. Some people don't actually know what they're suffering under. And it is the weight of sin. And when we get the saving power of Jesus Christ active in us. Oh, I remember the day I was saved. I felt like I would, a load had been lifted off of me. I felt free. I felt light. I didn't even understand all the principles of what happened to me. But I knew I was changed. And the saving power of Jesus Christ is ours. And maybe you need to take some time today to revisit that moment when you gave your life to Jesus. And to live again in the awe and in the gratitude of what he's done for us. The second thing, oh my, two minutes less, deliverance from sin and the power of Satan over our lives. That's our second rich treasure that we are to claim, that we have a deliverance from sin and the power of Satan. Not only are we forgiven and cleansed, but we are delivered. There There is lasting change that can come to our lives. Luke 4, verse 18 
This is the fulfillment of what Isaiah prophesied. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. He has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. This is what Jesus came to do. And this is what Jesus still does today. Hallelujah. John 8, 36, Jesus said, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed in the amplified version. So if the son makes you free, then you are unquestionably free. Let's take hold. We have freedom. You have some cool stuff. It's called freedom in Jesus Christ. Deliverance from darkness. We're out of the kingdom of darkness and we have been translated, transferred, conveyed into the kingdom of light. Colossians 1.13, for he has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Do you know we are always in a spiritual battle? We always need the delivering power of Jesus Christ in our life. Do you know that the devil never takes a day off? This Wednesday we get a day off. He's not taking it off. Okay, He didn't have Christmas holidays either. He didn't have a vacation like we get to. He never stops day or night. He is always there to attack. And we need to be aware of that. I'm not giving him any kind of uh, credit here, but I am exposing the fact that we need to be aware. And so Ephesians 6 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And guess what? Jesus Christ has given you power and authority and deliverance from all of these things. Number three, a new nature, a new identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, anyone is in Christ. He is a new creature, creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we no longer have. Okay. All right, mate. You can, you can just hang out there then. <laughs> I got permission. <laughs> oh, they started the clock again. Oh, no, there you go. <laughs> we have a new nature. We have a new identity. Uh, Stuart, quote it for us. It come up on the screen. In the mask. Yeah. The old life is gone. The new life has come. We have a new creation. We are, cha- we are changed. We have new life in Jesus Christ. You no longer have to identify with your former self. You might remember your former self, but that's not where your identity is. And these days we read so much about identity. We have identity uh, politics. People identify as this and that. But for the follower of Jesus Christ, you only have one identity. And that is to be like Jesus. You are in Christ. That is who you are. And so the age-old question, who am I? You know, we have to reverse that like Neil Anderson. I just recommend his books. um, And we put in our encounter manuals always this. Who am I? No, who I am in Christ. Who I am in Christ. Google those words today. Look that up and look at what he says there and the truth of God's word for your life. Fourth thing you have is that you have the right to become a child of God and to know him as father. That is really cool stuff. John 1.12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. 
I need to pause and just explain here that that phrase that says to those who did receive him means to take with the hand. It's not passive receptivity. It is to take with the hand. Something's being offered to you. I take it with my hand. I lay hold of it. I receive it. I receive this to myself. I receive to me the power, the right to become a child of God. Wow. You receive the spirit of adoption in Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, how personal, how personal. Is God the God out there or is he the God that's right here? You know, one of the last things that I did with uh, Joelle's children was just hold them. Just hold them close. I'm a grandmother. I'm not a grandfather. I'm not a father. I'm a mother. But I understand what it is to be a parent and a grandparent. And I know many of you do too. And this is the God who holds us close. He's not the God who's distant and far off. And we distance him in our own self or sin separates or something in our own mind and our thoughts keep us away from him. But can I tell you, he is the God who is so near. And if you have received him, you are his child. And you can live in that beautiful relationship. Oh, I'm going to wind this up soon, but the mercy and grace of God is yours. That's another one of your resources and your treasure. Romans 5, verse 7 and 8 talks about how that for a good person we might die, but um, while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. How long could we talk about the mercy and grace of God? And I am just skimming over that, but the truth is you have some really cool stuff. You have the mercy and grace of God. You have the joy of the Lord. Could you use some joy? That is a resource that is yours. That is a treasure that we need to claim and reclaim. How many of us have had furrows in our eyebrows looking at the news and lumps in our stomach and, you know, anxiety in our souls and and just, you know, sometimes we just like, oh, stop. I can't talk about COVID anymore. Well, you know what? I don't want to talk about it either. I want to talk about the joy of the Lord. And that is mine that I lay hold of in Jesus Christ. And we have Isaiah 61 verse 3 that says we get the oil of joy for mourning. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We could go on. We could talk about the peace of God that passes all understanding. We need to lay hold of that in Jesus Christ. We have healing. Oh, spirit, soul, and body, we have healing in Jesus Christ. We have provision for all of our needs in him. We have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We have his voice speaking to us and leading us and guiding us. Jesus Christ is that pearl of great price for whom that we must reach out. We must sell all that we have. We must take this treasure that we have and receive it to ourselves by laying hold of what we have. I'll have the rest of the team come up. Thank you. In this parable of the sower, John, or Luke chapter 8, we know about how the sower went out with the scatter method of sowing seed, how he threw it on ground. Some fell on rocks, some fell on thorns, some fell on the good soil. And I want to ask you today, is your heart good soil today? Because good soil is receptive. Good soil receives and takes that seed and something good happens in it. The seed is the word of God. And the soil can be disrupted and distracted by thorns and thistles. 
The soil can be stony and hard ground. But Jesus said in Luke 8, chapter 15, But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it. Keep it. And bear fruit with patience. And that means to hold on to it. To retain it. To not let it go. You know, if you have been in church like me for 51 years or more, you have listened to hundreds, and if not thousands, of messages, plus those outside of church. How much of that word is retained? How much of that word is kept? How much of that word is laid hold on? How much of that word just goes over my head? And I go, yeah, I've heard that. I know that. Mm. Today is a day of reckoning. Let's stand to our feet. Let's ask the Lord, what is the really cool stuff that I forgot I had? What is the really cool stuff that I'm neglecting to use and that I need to lay hold of today by faith, reach out, retain it, hold on to it? It's mine to have. It was mine in the first place through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to stop neglecting this. I'm going to take it up. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to have heaven on earth in my life today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much that your word of truth has just shown your light into our hearts. And I thank you, Lord God, that you have riches and treasures in Jesus Christ that are ours to reclaim. And Lord, we're not going to be like the Israelites who, when they had the invitation to return and possess their possessions, some of them just stayed happy in Babylon. Lord, we are not content to have our ease in Babylon. We are not content to just be people that are are comfortable Christians. But we lay hold of your truth. We lay hold of your word. We lay hold of everything, good thing that you have for us in Jesus Christ. Remind us, Lord, uh, to stir our hearts today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we break off any lethargy, dullness of spirit, effects of the last two years. And we enter into a new day of living in your truth. Living, Father, out of your word, living out of the provision of your promises, laying hold, retaining every good thing that you have for us in Jesus Christ. Amen.